Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. I hope you're having a wonderful holiday season. This is a special episode of The Heidi Rue Show. It's the Christmas episode. Instead of having a guest on today, I wanted listeners to share some of their real-life stories with you to keep you entertained and make you know that, you know, Christmas sometimes isn't always perfect, but at least you could end up with a good story afterwards. And our first story comes from Michelle, who saw a very different version of I Saw Mama Kissing Santa Claus. My sister and I were little, very young, and um, I'm older than my sister, so I was probably getting close to the age where I was kind of doubting Santa Claus. And my father had already gone to sleep Christmas Eve night. He had done what he needed to do, and my sister and I shared a room. We were supposed to be asleep, but, you know, that doesn't really happen. And uh, my mother, uh, who was always very uh, impulsive, was finishing up Christmas, putting the stockings out and whatnot, and she saw some uh, packing material that kind of looked foamy so she could uh, do something with it, and she got a wild hair and grabbed a jacket from the closet that was an old red raincoat and wrapped that white foam material around the wrists and around the bottom of the coat and decided to make herself a beard, threw on my dad's old red sweatpants and my grandfather's galoshes and turned herself into Santa Claus. My sister and I were supposed to be asleep and I heard swishing coming down the hallway, kind of like corduroy, but it was the jacket was pushing back and forth, making noise. No lights were on, but I remember seeing a red blob heading down the hallway, and I had the covers up close to my eyes. Oh, my goodness, it was Santa, and I was busted. So nervous. But Santa turned and went down the hallway to my parents' room. I didn't think anything of it. I was like, okay, I'm, not, I'm safe. Santa didn't see me. I'm good. Unbeknownst to me, my mother crawled into bed with my father, wearing that whole entire getup. A few minutes later, we hear my father scream. (laughs) I guess he rolled over and saw Santa laying in bed with him. (laughs) And next thing I know, Santa's running down the hallway again. Needless to say, my sister and I believe for a few more years. Okay, with a mom like that, I think Michelle probably had a really fun childhood. And if you're wondering what her mom looked like in that get up, then you've got to check out the Heidi Rue Show fan page on Facebook um, because we're going to post a picture. Michelle graciously supplied that photo and it is hilarious. So check that out. Now, Jen shares another story that is a little embarrassing. So one holiday gathering, it was a few months into dating my now husband, Steve. And he and his older brother, Billy, looked so much alike, and that day they were dressed similarly. So I went and I snuggled up behind my new boyfriend, Steve, and I wrapped my arms around his middle and nuzzled into his neck. And then I realized it wasn't Steve. And I pulled away mortified, and his brother, Billy, said, Welcome to the family, Jen. Well, they do always say that you don't just marry your partner, but you marry their family too, right? I wanted to share a really fun Christmas memory of mine growing up. We would usually spend Christmas in Birmingham, where my grandparents lived, which the Birmingham weather is very similar to Atlanta. It's not like we get a lot of white Christmases. 
but my grandfather had the hookup at the local ice skating rink. So he took his truck over there, they loaded it up with ice shavings, and he brought it back to the house, and all of the cousins, all 10 of us, ended up making a giant snowman in the very front of their yard. This snowman had to have been at least six feet tall. My grandfather put lights on the snowman and it was hilarious to sit by the window and watch cars drive down the street and then they'd stop and then they'd slowly reverse <laughs> and you could see them in their car going, wait, what? How is, but how did they, huh? <laughs> it just goes to show that what they say about grandparents is true. If the grandparent says you can have whatever you want, they're gonna make sure that it happens. And they certainly gave us at least a version of a white Christmas that year. Now, Eve has a very different version of her Alabama Christmas. It was the year of the adoption doll, which was the predecessor to the Cabbage Patch Kid. The adoption doll was sort of a cloth doll with yarn hair and a painted on face. Uh, so that's the year we got those. But Santa came a little bit early and brought all the boys in our family guns, as in long guns, rifles. So they go out hunting Christmas Eve, my brother, my cousin, and my smaller cousin with the men in the family who had bigger, more powerful guns and they go squirrel hunting so we proceed to do the girl things around the house which would be the preparations for christmas eve dinner while the boys go out and you know hunt bring home the meat well they bring home squirrels i didn't realize this at the time but it is the women's job to clean the squirrels and prepare them to eat i didn't realize you ate squirrel but we did that year, so my mother and my aunts proceeded to um, clean the squirrels, and um, all of us girls just sat there and, and cried and mourned for the life of each of these poor little squirrels and vomited and other things. And next thing I know, we're all dressed up, and we're at the Christmas Eve table. There's about 15 of us, and the plate of fried squirrel comes around. And we're like, no, no, I'm not hungry. I've lost my appetite. This is disgusting. And then the boys proceed to name all the squirrels that are on the plate, Rocky, Squeaky, Stevie, you name it. And it was just, um, no, nah, I, don't, I don't remember eating a bite that Christmas Eve. Then we have our gift exchange, go to bed, Santa comes the next morning. And each girl has its own beautiful adoption doll with adoption certificates. And we're all excited about our very cool adoption dolls where the boys have their rifles and they change into their hunting outfits and they're going to go catch them some more squirrel because, you know, squirrel was what you need to eat on Christmas. And when they do, we discover we have a new visitor and it is a hunched over, foaming at the mouth, angry, rabid raccoon. As in, it most obviously has rabies. Well, my uncle uh, was a Green Beret and um, took over that situation rather quickly and determined that the raccoon needed to be terminated. That it was too dangerous to have a rabid raccoon that close to... Um, the house, which was about, it was about 20 or 30 feet from the house, um, because we had small children and a collection of wiener dogs, and rabies is not something we all wanted to get for Christmas. So, since the boys got rifles for Christmas, what better way to use them than to dispose of the rabid raccoon? And we're all pleading for the life of the raccoon. No, let's take it to the vet. Let's humanely execute it or something like that. And no, no, that's not what's going to happen. Not with the Green Beret in charge. And next thing we know, there is a firing squad of boys and rifles and 
blaze orange hunting gear and the girls ran inside screaming and crying and and performed sort of a funeral mass for Rocky the raccoon who had rabies. And that was Christmas morning about 1983 in Alabama. I hope you enjoyed my weird Christmas memory. Merry Christmas. You know, that's the thing about families is that everyone has different traditions and different expectations of what Christmas would be like. Sometimes you just have to end up going with the flow and ending up with an interesting or weird story. Another expectation that most women have is how they're going to get proposed to, which wasn't quite met by Becca. Here's her story. So we had been dating for, I guess, about three years, maybe a little bit more. So he was divorced and had custody of his uh, adorable daughter, Lindsay. I was very welcomed into their family. So we would go over and his family celebrates Christmas on Christmas Eve. And that's when they do their gift exchange. And uh, we were over there for, for Christmas Eve. And as usual, a bunch of presents under the tree. And his daughter was in charge of, um, she'd go and see whose present was going to be next and deliver it to them. There was a fairly large one under the tree with my name on it. So she kept looking at her dad going, can I give this one to Becca? And he would just like shake his head and kind of grimace. And there were plenty of other presents to get through. And, you know, we're eating and laughing and drinking and opening presents and having a good time. And she keeps going to that one large gift. Can I give Becca this one? And he's like, oh, not mm-mm, later. So finally, like, all the presents are gone. <laughs> so there's really no more choice. And he says, yeah, okay, I guess you can give her that one. So Lindsay brings it over to me. And it's, like I said, this kind of large box. So I unwrap it, take the top off, and inside the large box is a small ring box taped to the bottom of the large box. As soon as his mom saw that it was a ring box, she is on high alert. She starts bouncing up and down out of her seat, like grabbing her camera, saying, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. So I open the ring box and inside is a beautiful silver um, ring with purple quartz in it. You know, not anything you would look at and say, oh, that's an engagement ring. It wasn't your traditional, you know, diamond solitaire thing. So I looked at it and everyone was silent. And I said, well, that's gorgeous. Thank you. And I sat for a moment and then I went ahead and and took it out because nobody was leaping up and getting on bended knee or anything like that. So I sat there holding the ring and looking at it and said, well, that's that's really beautiful. Thank you. Silence. Crickets. I don't remember who said something about it might have been me. It might have been his mom. Like, well, what kind of ring is it? Is it any kind of special ring? You know, prompting him. Just anything to help him out of this jam. Because he is just sitting there completely silent. And he then sort of looks over and mumbles and is like, well, um, yeah, I guess it's an engagement ring. I said, oh, and, you know, 
you can imagine his mom at this point is freaking out and can, can barely contain herself and snapping pictures. And so I looked at my boyfriend and I said, well, then is there something you want to ask me? <laughs> Again, we're all just trying to help him through this. Um, and he says, oh, you're going to make me go through all that? So you can imagine my sheer joy at the romance and love I'm feeling in this incredibly romantic moment. So he's sitting next to me on the sofa and he says, so do you want to get married? <laughs> and I sort of said, well, yeah, um, sure. <laughs> So everyone's like, oh my gosh, this is wonderful, and um, very excited, everyone's happy, and uh, on the way home, though, I said, uh, thank you for the ring, but I'm really thinking we could do better with the whole proposal thing. It was kind of um awkward and you didn't seem really that into it so how about we have a do-over so we did and it was romantic and now we can both laugh about it because uh, it was just the most awkward and enthusiastic proposal you could really imagine but we've been now married 20 years so <laughs> we have three kids uh, two dogs, one of which you could hear in the background, that's Tucker. It all turned out just fine. Now, in all fairness to Becca's husband, he did want to make sure that we shared that he knew that that wasn't probably the best proposal. He just, that was the second time, and he was just a little nervous about getting married again. I think he totally redeemed himself. All is forgiven, and hey, you entertained all of us, so thanks. So we've heard stories that are funny, we've heard stories that are awkward, and now we're gonna hear a story that is very heartwarming. And this one comes from Judy, and she titles it The Christmas Letter. When I was a child, I believe around the age of 10 or 11, there was talk of not having Christmas celebrations as we knew it in our house. It was around Thanksgiving when I overheard my mom telling my three oldest siblings that my dad was laid off his job. I really didn't understand the impact of the situation. It seemed as though the holidays were still being celebrated. My mother made sure we had the fully decorated Christmas tree with the lights and ornaments. Christmas cards filled the living room tables and the bleaking bulbs trimmed the windows of our home. Yet it was quite different than previous years. I remember that in the past Christmases, Every day after school, I would check the tree. I would watch as the gift boxes would mount up underneath, colorfully wrapped in multiple sizes. However, that year, there wasn't any specially wrapped gifts under the tree. And before you could blink an eye, Christmas Eve had come. Still no gifts. Would there be a Santa visit, I wondered? That night as usual, I remembered watching the newscast on TV as a weatherman tracked Santa's sleigh coming from the North Pole. He warned all the boys and girls to get to bed early so he could visit their homes. Well, I kind of didn't believe he was coming to my house because I knew you had to pay Santa. I reluctantly 
went to bed wondering if Christmas was coming to my house. My parents had always shared the true meaning of Christmas being a day of celebrating the birth of baby Jesus. Yet, like most kids after the holiday break, I still wanted to be able to show and tell something from Christmas. I moped to bed with a wish list. As I laid down, I heard a knock on my door. My father came in my room and handed me a white envelope addressed with my name on it. Was it a letter from Santa, I thought? I opened the carefully folded paper and saw his handwriting. As I read it, he shared how sorry he was that he couldn't bring Christmas to our house because he was laid off his job and for me not to expect the doll I wanted, etc. He wrote in the letter how much he loved me and would make sure that something was coming for my birthday. Wow, I thought to myself, my daddy wrote me a Christmas letter. He poured his heart out on how he wanted to do for me but couldn't. That was huge in my mind. He hugged me and said goodnight. I felt I was going to be okay. I was prepared and made up my mind to have a happy Christmas for him. I woke up early Christmas morning. My younger brother and I went downstairs as usual. I could smell my mama's cooking. I saw the fruits and nuts in the holiday basket. And as I turned the corner in the living room, to my amazement, there were gifts under the tree. A doll, clothes, games, and more. I wondered what happened. Did Santa get my dad's letter? I was later told my older brothers and sisters got together and helped get us the younger ones Christmas. I told my father that the best gift of all was my special Christmas letter from him. And that year, it truly was a Merry Christmas. You know, the Christmas season is definitely a time where everything is elevated. To-do list, stress, joy, loneliness, loss, longing for something, expectations. But the other thing that is elevated is hope. I mean, that's what the season is all about, right? So I would really encourage you, and I'm saying this to myself as well, but encourage you to take 10 minutes to just sit in whatever the season brings. Take that time to remember the heart-swelling joy, to be able to take time to grieve, to long. Because when we're able to kind of sit in those moments, it makes new birth, it makes happy times even richer. Even if you're experiencing one of the happiest times in your life, make sure you take time to appreciate it and remember it. One Christmas, it was right after I knew that we, my first husband and I, would go through a divorce, and it was so lonely. I remember spending so much of that Christmas season alone in the house that I shared with him, which was so weird. And I remember sitting and staring at those Christmas lights, and they were so beautiful and feeling just empty and lonely and so sad, and I was grieving this relationship. But because of that moment, because of that time that I sat in it, no matter how mundane or simple my Christmas with my husband, Mike, now is, my heart swells with joy. Just being able to sit there and look at the lights with him and know that we have a great relationship and I'm so thankful for him and for our marriage and for our love. That's really what the Christmas story is all about, right? Hope coming from unexpected places. 
If you have a moment, I can't play it here on the podcast because of copyright issues, but one of my favorite songs um, during the season is Winter Snow, and it's by Audrey Assad and Chris Tomlin. It is just beautiful, and it talks about that hope, and it talks about the way that hope sometimes appears in the most unexpected ways. So I hope that your Christmas, Hanukkah, holiday season is filled with wonderful things, filled with lessons, filled with joy, filled with family, filled with friends, and filled with just time of being still. Thank you so much for listening. And if you have a great Christmas story or anything you want to contribute, then share it on our Facebook page, The Heidi Rue Show. You can find that on Facebook or you can find us on Instagram at Heidi Rue or on Twitter at Heidi Rue. Merry Christmas.